Kevin Smith's latest flick, Yoga Hosers, is now streaming courtesy of Flix Fling. See the film the way some would say it would be best seen, while you're blazed and surfing the internet in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Feel like a 12-year-old girl again, even if you never actually were one. Yoga Hosers, it's a kid's movie from the guy who made his career with Clerks and then tried to destroy it with Tusk. Rent or own Yoga Hosers right now on Flix Fling. Brain Trust, the podcast starts in 20 seconds. Just wanted to let you know that this is a special episode where you will hear the entire audio of the second presidential debate. So if you missed it or if you want to hear it from a different perspective, listen to this. And Ben Morrison and Alana Zaboden, I pause it as we play the whole debate and make jokes every time we pause it. So we add commentary and jokes to the presidential debate and you get the full debate. First time we've ever done this, we did it at the legendary Hollywood Improv on the world-famous and renowned Comedy Juice show, A Brand New Twist. And we're doing that show again for the third debate this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, October 19th at the Hollywood Improv at 8 p.m. You can come for, I think, $7. Go to ComedyJuice.com for tickets to get tickets to see me with two other comedians on stage watching the debate a couple hours after it airs, pausing it as it goes, and making jokes. And then you can stick around for the Comedy Juice show that night. I will also be performing on with just an amazing lineup of headliners at 10 p.m., really 10, 1020, at the Hollywood Improv. Also, tickets at ComedyJuice.com. Without further ado, winner of last comic standing and regular on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, whose Showtime special, Historically Incorrect, is airing right now, Alonzo Bowden. And last week on Earth, favorite Ben Morrison, who you can see in a new Dollar Shave Club commercial airing, take down this presidential debate madness. And I guarantee you, this is the only way to watch this debate, the podcast. Listen to it, I meant to say, not watch. Why did I say watch? This is auditory. The podcast is starting right now. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my God, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm, like, the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have the poor or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Terror, horror, death. Film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, everybody. What's up, Brain Trust? It has been... Almost two weeks, I missed the podcast last week, I'm sorry, I've been banana boat busy lately, and I am only getting to it now at 6.40 in the morning, uh, doing a quick Twitter answers before I give you a very fun special event uh, for the podcast, but only had this chance to record this now at 6.40 in the morning in New Orleans, was partying in the French Quarter with uh, some comedian friends, and it was a blast, and so quickly Twitter answers I posted last week, and then... The entire second presidential debate paused throughout with commentary from me and Ben Morrison and Alonzo Bowden. You can 
follow us all at Ben Glebe, at Ben the Morrison, and at Alonzo Bowden, and uh, tweet along with the episode. But we did this live at the Hollywood Improv. There's a small crowd that was there with us, and we would pause the debate whenever we would talk and make jokes, and I think you will enjoy. The hour and a half debate takes about two hours this way, but it's way, way funnier. Oh, and briefly before Twitter answers, um, my tour for this year only has three more cities left this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The What month are we in? October, like the 14th, 15th, and 16th at Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale, California. So Bay Area, I hope you come out. Bay Area, Cali, let's do this. NorCal, what up? What up, y'all? Get tickets at BenGlebe.com. The next weekend, um, the 20... I don't know, 21st, 22nd, those two nights I'm in Seattle at Laughs Comedy Club. And then two weeks later, I'm at Laughs Comedy Club in Boston for the last date of my year before um, I shoot some idiot test, um, which I'm super excited about to be shooting again. Um, but you can get tickets to all those shows at BenGlebe.com. I'm still doing one show in every city. My Saturday Late Show will be live on Facebook, continuing my uh, streak of being the first comedian in history to live stream any of his headline sets, let alone an entire tour. And for that reason, um, over 1.5 million people have watched my sets in the last five cities. It's been really, really fun. They're all archived on my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Glebe. So go there and watch any of them. I've pretty much given you all five comedy specials for free in a row, all improvised, all different. And the other shows on the road, you can see me doing my brand new material because I retired all the material from Neurotic Gangster. Still currently airing on Showtime. Sorry for all the plugs, but what am I supposed to do? The content's out there. I need to let you know about it. I don't like going through the list. But I need to make sure people remember and spread the word. I'd be remiss to also not mention that I'm tweeting every day and doing Instagram stories most every day. Sometimes Snapchat as well. But that's about it, to be honest. All right, without further ado, it's time for Twitter answers. Brain Trust, the Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the Glebe Club, the Glebe Squad, hashtag Glebe Squad, the one we do, the big Glebers around the world, around the nation, the big Glebers and all of us, the Friends of Benefits, the Glebe Mob, the Glob, Glebe Nation forever, I told y'all, what do you think would be the worst part of a Trump or Hillary presidency? Some very interesting answers, Andrew N. says, knowing that a talentless turd will have our missile codes. It's <laughs> a good answer. Sarah McCatty, worst part of Trump presidency equals Trump attempting to make Nazi America a reality. We'll get back to this one in a second. Adam Colgan, Donald Trump launching nukes because fuck it, why not? And Hillary selling the ability to launch nukes. I don't think the latter would occur. She's might be a little greedy of a politician, a little careless, but she takes the security part of the job and the details of the job very seriously. That's the biggest problem with Trump is just whoever you agree with politically or not, and they are very, very different currently. I just think Trump's a live wire, and it's very, very dangerous. 
to allow him to control our nuclear arsenal and speak for our country and or tweet for it. And I realize that's hypocritical for me to say during a segment all about Twitter, but still, though. Uh, Esther Scugin says, the worst part of a Trump or Hillary presidency would be one of them as president. Touche. Deplorable me at Dustin Cord says, Nazis were socialists. Where do you even come up with this shit? And continues, Trump equals being buried in an avalanche of HuffPo outrage pieces. Hillary equals four more years of cultural rot. Wow, bro. Um, allow me to, to say here, Nazis were not socialists. Socialists are all about splitting up the, the, uh, spo the spoils of the labor of the people and everybody pitching in a little bit. Not annihilating a race and marginalizing minorities to blame it for the government's problems and then starting a systematic campaign to eliminate that group of people. That's not the definition of socialism, my homes. And uh, Trump does, while well, I grant you, does not show the evidence that he's going to be the next Hitler. He does have an authoritarian streak, saying he would investigate and then, if it were up to him, jail Hillary, threatening to jail his opponent, something that is not typically threatened during presidential elections unless you're in a banana fucking republic. And I ain't talking about where you can buy no sweaters, yo. Talk about like an outlaw, outrageous government. Mm-kya? Mm-kya? And, you know, when he winks at David Duke and says he doesn't know who he is and waits four days to disavow David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, come on. They're and scapegoating of Mexicans and of Muslims and of all kinds of groups and being racist against the president and marginalizing and attacking of women. I mean, what the fuck? Come on. We'll talk all about it in the debate in a minute. His uh, grab them by the pussy remarks, which are so deplorable and horrific that I don't know how somebody could still support a president that, look, men do in locker rooms talk pretty aggressively and dirty sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, most in locker rooms these days, people are just on their phones and we keep quiet and sneak a look at the phone because they're banned in the gym locker room, but you look at it anyway. And you're getting briefly naked, so you try not to say anything to people. But I don't know why Trump's so talkative in the locker room. He's like, listen, anybody want to come over here and talk about pussies? Anybody? Hello? But um, we definitely never encourage assault or kissing or touching or grabbing women without permission. That's not part of the chit-chat. That ain't part of the locker room chatter, homie. Um, Bridget Woodbury, our dearest of friends, Happy Woodbury, says, Trump, white Kanye is president without a musical bonus. Hillary, having to listen to dudes complain about having to listen to a chick for four years. Oh, interesting, so you're you're not looking forward to listening to dudes complain about having to listen to a chick. Seems like the pot calling the kettle black a little there, Woodbury. Mm hmm? Although you sort of have a lifetime of systemically having to listen to men in charge and not much history of listening to women, so I get your point at the same time. Will Wilkins at Nethead WW, the man who is one of the, the head honchos here at Smodcast Network, runs the puppy, basically, along with Jordan Monsanto and, of course, Kevin Smith and many others. 
um, who do the hard work. Shout out to Declan Quinn. Will Wilkins says, worst part of the Trump presidency, the sun darkening, the moon becoming as blood, famines, plagues. <laughs> Great tweet, Will. Rachel Hannah says, Trump, time traveling to 1952, Hillary, another great four years. Honestly, I think that's the most likely outcome, to be honest, of those two presidencies. Trump's going to roll us back to a time where we were less evolved and more separatist and more divided. And Hillary, whether you agree with all of her policies or not, whether you think she has had corrupt or greedy moments or occasional moments of bad judgment in the past as well, I think the country will be prosperous. It's prosperous under her husband. It's been prosperous under Obama and getting better every year. And she's more than more than anything likely to continue all of that. Chris Haas at Chris Haas says, why focus on the worst part? I'm excited to find out what rights we get to keep. <laughs> Very funny. I asked, what's the worst part of a Trump or Hillary presidency? Stephanie Walters says, it's Trump. I simply can't stand the man. He's lost his cheese off his cracker. Hashtag Trump sucks ass. Sarah McAfee continues the debate on the side of, um, yeah, Trump sort of might want to make us like Nazi Germany with the de debate against deplorable me saying, try fact checking, replace Jew with Muslim or Mexican slogan for Germany was make Germany great again. I mean, touche. They definitely started in similar scapegoating of minority ways, Sarah. Well put. She continues, Nazi platform was anti-immigration. Go ask a Holocaust survivor. Learn history. My grandfather was one. Um, and I agree with you, Sarah. Thank you for shouting out. Deplorable me replies, yeah, that'll happen. Exit your echo chamber. The sun is out. Hashtag literally Hitler. No one's saying he's literally Hitler deplorable. But we are saying he has tendencies that go towards ignoring people's rights at the expense of maintaining your law and order in a way that we're not willing to pay with our privacy and our rights and not being frisked and all of these things. Um, it's not, uh, it's not cool. Um, and I favorited a tweet from Sarah McCatty, I'll mouse doubt, A-L-L-M-O-U-S-E-D-O-U-T, where she tweets, in the age of Trump, grim warnings from Holocaust survivors and a link that you can see on my likes on my Twitter page at Ben Glebe. Um, and then Ryan Thomas says, worst part for me will be all the stone dumb idiots who support Trump being validated. Quote, see, I told you we were right. I can see some of that. They're not all stone cold idiots, but some of them definitely are. Some. Not half, not a half, just some deplorable relax. Deplorable tweets, LOL, and block, so it seems like I've given up. You need help, lady, have a splendid day. Uh, no, you don't need help to protect us from people that are trying to demagogue and divide our country. I disagree strongly. Jessica Wheat at RAR, Jessica. It could possibly be the last week on Earth. Yeah, very possibly, sadly. Linda Adkins at BabyCake039 says, The worst part of a Trump or Hillary presidency is that they were able to become president at all. We're screwed. Jennifer Emmett writes, Trump Twitter debates with Putin and Peña Nieto, <laughs> the president of Mexico. Hilarious. Uh, yeah, that would definitely be happening. Joshua M. Hidalgo, Trump, 
stop and frisk nationwide. Clinton, no fly zone over Syria, and not owning up to $15 minimum wage. Look, it would be great if we get that 15 Absolutely. But uh, no fly zone over Syria, not the worst idea in the world, probably. And Trump having our whole nation stopped and frisked, I would much prefer the Hillary choice, would you not? Joshua continues, however, with Trump, every part of his presidency would be the worst. So you agree with me, so that's good news in this one instance. It's a quite important topic. Grim, Green and Gross, the Twitter meltdowns at 3 a.m. while simultaneously threatening to launch nukes. Yeah, that would probably happen as well. And uh, Pearl Sanchez writes, Donald Trump doesn't have a political background and his ugliness towards women, minorities, hashtag no bueno. Hashtag true dad is my response. Deb Kell, Hillary blatant misogyny replacing blatant racism. True, people would just be very anti-woman against Hillary and blame all of everything she does on women shouldn't be able to run the country. It's very true, replacing the anti-Obama racism. Trump president wondering who the other three horsemen are. <laughs> that is hilarious. The four horsemen of the apocalypse embodied by Trump in, in well, at least one of them. In some, in many ways, very clever tweet. I liked it a lot. Optimist for PA Gov. Probably the embarrassment of having to live with a bad choice. Either way, can we get a do-over? And uh, Parish McBride Senior writes: Hillary is for new world order and would let UN troops come in and police our streets. No, she wouldn't. You don't need to have that old new world order conspiracy theory always as the go-to when the actual reality is just as bad, if not worse. So focus on the real reality and the worstness of it, is my humble opinion. Without further ado, at Ben the Morrison, at Alonzo Bowden, and myself on the legendary at Comedy Juice show at the Hollywood Improv, at Hollywood Improv, where we you will now listen to the entire presidential debate in its entirety, as covered by NBC News. And then we will pause it as we go and make jokes and comments about it all. Enjoy. And since I won't say it at the end, I'll say it now. Until last week, next week. This will have been Last Week on Earth. Enjoy the debate. We hope to get to as many questions as we can, so we've asked the audience here not to slow things down with any applause, except for We're now. thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, the Republican nominee for President Donald J. Trump and the Democratic Thank you very much for being here. We're going to begin with a uh, question from uh, one of the members in our town hall. Uh, each of you will have two minutes to respond to this question. Secretary Clinton, you won the coin toss, so you'll go first. Our first question comes from Patrice Brock. Patrice? Thank you. Trump didn't win the coin toss because he wanted to get money out of politics. The could have been rated as MA, mature audiences, per TV parental guidelines. Knowing that educators assign viewing the presidential debates as students' homework, do you feel you're modeling appropriate and positive behavior for today's youth? Well, thank you. Are, are you a teacher? Oh, 
Um, yes, I think that that's a very good question because I've heard from lots of teachers and parents about some of their concerns about some of the things that are being said and done uh, in this campaign. Uh, and I think it is very important for us to make clear to our children that our country really is great because we're good. And we are going to... And we are good because we're okay. <laughs> we're okay because we're slipping very fast. Stop it, Ben. She's going to eventually answer the question. <laughs> One another, lift each other up. We are going to be looking for ways to celebrate our diversity. And we are going to, to reach out to every boy and girl as well as every adult. Uh, to bring them in to working on behalf of our country. I have a very positive and optimistic view about what we can do together. That's why the slogan of my campaign is Stronger Together. After we, we work together, if we overcome the divisiveness that sometimes sets Americans against one another, and instead we make some big goals, and I've set forth some big goals, getting the economy to work for everyone, not just those at the top, making sure that we have the best education system from preschool through college and making it affordable and so much else. If we set those goals and we go together to try to achieve them, there's nothing, in my opinion, that America can't do. So that's why I hope that we will come together in this campaign. Obviously, I'm hoping to earn your vote. I'm hoping to be elected in November. And I can promise you, I will work with every American. I want to be the president for all Americans, regardless of your beliefs, where you come from, what you look like, your religion. I want us to heal our country and bring it. Wasn't the question, are you going to be good role models for kids? <laughs> like, shouldn't that somewhere be in there? That, 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 I, I just, no, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. <laughs> Together. Because that's, I think, the best way for us to get the future that our children and our grandchildren deserve. So, Frank Clinton, thank you, Mr. Trump. You have Well, I actually agree with that. Everybody should say I began this campaign. I just don't follow in any respect. Plan to debate and see her plans and then recommend more of them. This is a great country, this is a great land. I've gotten to know the people of the country over the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including nine black people. I guess I have been a politician. And my whole concept was to make America. They are small hands. I mean, if you think about it, just look at the size of his pinky finger. It's like some horrible things like Obamacare, where your health insurance and health care is going up by numbers that are astronomical 68%. 59%. And I'm making those numbers up. When I look at the Iran deal and how bad a deal it is for us, it's a one-sided transaction where we're giving back $150 billion to Wait, the terrorist is... state, really the number one terrorist state. We've made them a strong country from really a very good So are you a good role model? things I see in all the potential that our country has. We have such tremendous potential, whether it's in business and trade where we're doing so badly. Last year we had an almost $800 billion trade deficit. In other words, trading with other countries, we had an $800 billion deficit. It's hard to believe. Inconceivable. You say, who's making these deals? We're going to make great trade deals. We're going to have a strong border. 
We're gonna bring back law and order. Dun, dun. So kids, so kids, what I want to teach you is when a teacher asks a question and you don't know, make up lies about something else. Just keep bullshitting and holding the mic with your freakishly small hands. <laughs> Just today, policeman was shot two, killed, and this is two. Let, let's just say yeah. three. He was shot by a bad role model. Respect to law enforcement. At the same time, we have to take care of people in all sides. We need justice. But I want to do things that haven't been done really fixing and making our inner city. Yeah, clearly, clearly Trump does not have the stamina here. Look at him sniffling. He's clearly dying. The guy is clearly dying. He's clearly dying. Or huge rails of coke before the debate. And uh, I look forward to doing it. It's called Make America Great Again. Did he say it was great for the start of his history? appropriate behavior towards today's youth. We've received a lot of questions online, Mr. Trump, about the tape that was released on Friday. Oh, and you call it what you said, locker room banter. You described kissing women without consent, grabbing their genitals. That is sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is, Anderson. It is sexual assault, but I'm a star, so it's okay. <laughs> it's called star assault. You're allowed to get away with it. Look at Cosby. <laughs> Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. It's because you're gay, Anderson. You don't know about pussies. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. You know, when we have a world where you have ISIS chopping off heads, where you have, and frankly, drowning people in steel cages, where you have wars and, and horrible, horrible sights all over them, where you have so many bad things. The thing about, like think about that, this, it, it was actually locker room talk. It's the kind of talk you do when you get a girl and you lock her in a room because <laughs> you're a star. You just dip in there whenever you want. Evil times. We haven't seen and by locker room, he means locker and then room from the movie Room. It's a carnage all over the world. You know how bad you have to treat there. women to say, well, look, at least I'm not chopping their heads off. So I got that going for me. Yeah. I haven't drowned any forcibly. There's that. My, my two sons, they, they chop heads off all the time. They've got a lovely collection in their freezer. <laughs> but, uh, frankly doing so well against us with ISIS. And they look at our country and they see what's going on. Yes. Was the name of the woman whose vagina he tried to grab ISIS? Like that would make a lot more sense if this was all about I hate it. But it's locker room talk and it's one of those things. I will knock the hell out of ISIS. Okay. <laughs> Don't you wish we had a moderator who had the balls to say so I asked you about grabbing pussies and you're giving me ISIS. I will I will grab ISIS by the pussy. I will throw them around the room. I, I will kiss them without asking. I don't care. I love kissing terrorists. I'm just very attractive. I can't help it. Much more important things and much bigger things. Just for the record though, are you saying that what you said on that bus eleven years ago that you did not actually Kiss women without consent or grope women without consent. I have great respect for women. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Oh, yeah. So, for the record, you're saying you never things. That, frankly, you, you hear these things are said. And I was embarrassed by it, but I have tremendous respect for women. Have you ever done those things? Have respect for me. And I will tell you, no, I have not. And I will tell you that 
I'm going to make our country safe. We're going to have borders in our country, which we don't have now. People are pouring into our country. And they're coming in from all these Look, I will build a, a wall around women's pussies, okay? And then I can't get in. That's fair. If there's a wall, then I can't get in. I'm just guessing that there is someone who has more respect for women than Donald Trump. <laughs> I know, so nobody does. Two guys. What, what, about? what kind of fifth? What kind of sixty-year-old motherfucker brags to a douchebag twenty-one-year-old entertainment reporter <laughs> on a bus about how he's just grabbing poos left and right? If he's this not one. attempting that all the time, right? You know, you just made that up on a bus. And you just follow the logic flow of what this guy is saying. He's literally saying, "Look, I'm embarrassed by it. It's locker room. It's one of those things. No one has more respect than me. People's heads are getting cut off. ISIS." I don't say it, but I've said it. It's one of those things. You know who's going to be more embarrassed than me, ISIS, when we knock the hell out of them? In the pussy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now we're on closed captions. We can't stand this shit. We can pause it real quick, Dax, and uh, get the captions off and the audio on. So, we're going to make America safe again. We're going to make America wealthy again, because if you don't do that... Did we skip ahead there? It just comes... Um, it sounds hard to say. Oh, okay. We have to build up our wealth of other nations. Right now, other nations are taking our jobs and they're taking our wealth. Thank you, Mr. And that's what I want to talk about. Secretary Clinton, do you want to respond? Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking over the last 48 hours... I'm out of my handless bullshit. heard and saw. You know, with prior Republican nominees for president, I disagreed with them on politics, policies, principles, but I never questioned their fitness to serve. Donald Trump is different. I said starting back in June that he was not fit to be president and commander in chief. And many Republicans and independents have said the same thing. What we all saw and heard on Friday was Donald talking about women, what he thinks about women, what he does to women, and he has said that the video doesn't represent who he is, but I think it's clear to anyone who heard it that it represents exactly who he is, because we've seen this throughout the campaign. We have seen him He's in trying to leave. <laughs> he was trying to walk off. Women. We've seen him rate women. Rate women? Rate women? Ranking them from one to ten. We've seen him embarrass women on TV and on Twitter. We saw him after the first debate spend nearly a week denigrating a former Miss Universe in the harshest, most personal terms. So, Yes, this is who Donald Trump is. But it's not only women, and it's not only this video that raises questions about his fitness to be our president. He has eaten Tic Tacs, and then he admits that. He just munches them. <laughs> because he has also targeted immigrants, African Americans, Latinos, people with disabilities, POWs, Muslims, and so many others. But that's it, Hillary. So this is about Trump. The question for us, the question of Yeah, but other than that, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm wearing an American flag pin. Where's your fucking pin, huh? Is that this is not 
who we are. That's why, to go back to your question, I want to send a message, we all should, to every boy and girl, and indeed to the entire world. And that message is Hillary wins. <laughs> already is great, but we are great because we are good. And we will respect one another. And we will work with one another. And we will celebrate our diversity. These are very important values to me because this is the America that I know and love. Do you think like Hillary's kind of over-preparedness and stopping her from just doing what we all want to do is look at Trump and be like, yeah, you fucking douchebag, that was horrible. You're a sick perv. And instead of like, this is like a nine minute monologue. <laughs> and I can pledge to you tonight that this is the America that I will serve if I'm so fortunate enough to become your president. And we want to get to some questions well, from I'm online. To the, I assume I am. Yes, you can respond to that. It's just words, folks. It's just words. <laughs> oh, fuck you! And as I said earlier in the campaign, I have the best words. I've got, I've got pussy. I say, I can say like a real bitch. I say that great. You can't put too much, you can't put too much into words. Words like no, stop, <laughs> help. <laughs> like for example, break down words. The word no, backwards. It's on. It's like it's so on. It's on. on. And she failed. I've heard them where Hillary is constantly talking about the inner cities of our country, which are a disaster, education-wise. Honestly, she talked about the inner cities far too much. I wish she would tone back on that. Wise, in every way possible. I'm going to help the African Americans. I'm going Stop to right there. <laughs> we, we appreciate the offer, but we're going to go ahead and find our own help. <laughs> you guys are pretty good at grabbing those yeah, hands. Right yeah. like you. Like they, there's pimps downtown that ain't grabbing pussy now. <laughs> Even pimps were offended when he said that. those Hispanics, I am going to help the inner cities. She's done a terrible job for the African Americans. She wants their vote and she does nothing. And then she comes I know three of them. <laughs> and I asked all three, and they said she did a terrible job. He's just so used to just saying fucking anything with no backing for it, and we're always used to listening to it. He's there, I'm gonna make ice cream taste better, I'm gonna make school days three hours shorter, kids are gonna be smarter, however. Like, everyone just like... Oh, man, that's far more details than he ever thought for Brennan. Three hours of that. No, no such just words, man. It's just words, no, stop. She campaigned. Where the Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I want to get to audience questions and online questions. So she's allowed to do that, but I'm not allowed to. We're going to have you. This tape is generating intense interest. So let me understand. We, she gets. I get to speak, then she gets to speak, then I get to ask for an extra, and then I don't get to go indefinitely. <laughs> this is something completely rigged, Martha. This has become the single most talked about story of the entire 2016 election. And that's because it's a tremendous story. It's the greatest story you've ever heard. <laughs> a lot of people say it's a never-ending story. I would like to fly around on a big white animal. You know the big winner in all this? Furniture stores. <laughs> With millions and millions of people discussing it on the social network. 
As we said a moment ago, we do want to bring in questions from voters around the country via social media, and our first stays on this topic. Jeff from Ohio asks on Facebook. Our first question comes from at real Donald Trump. Hey Don, I don't think what you said was that bad. <laughs> Says the campaign has changed him. When did that happen? So yes, Mr. Trump, let me ask you that. When you walked off that bus at age 59, were you a different man or did that behavior continue until just recently? And you have two minutes for this. I've pledged many times by 70, 75, I want to slow down. I'm going to grab less pussy at that point. I mean, they, they say a man's real moral compass develops between 60 and 70. Is that what the research shows? So does his need for Viagra. That's what you're referring to Tic Tacs. I am a person who has great respect for people, for my family, for the people of this country. Just so, not women people or dark people. <laughs> but those technically aren't people. Oh. So that doesn't matter to you. Proud of it. But that was something that uh, happened. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His words, what he's done to women. Okay, let me stop right there. Bill balanced the budget. You get a blowjob if you balance the budget. Nobody in America mind. Bill balanced the budget. America was like somebody going up there and make Bill feel good. No, thank Bill. This is America. Politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. So you can say any way you want to say it, but Bill Clinton was abusive to women. Hillary Clinton attacked those same women. Attack them viciously, four of them here tonight. One of the women, who is a wonderful woman, at 12 years old, was raped at 12. Her client, she represented, got him off, and she's seen laughing on two separate occasions, laughing at the girl who was raped. Kathy Shelton, that young woman, is here with us tonight. So, <laughs> tell me about words. I am absolutely, I apologize for those words. But it is things that people say. But what? What people? What people? Who says those? Him and Billy. That's basically it. Those are the two people. Yeah, he was impeached. He lost his license to practice law. He had to pay an $850,000 fine to one of the women. And as you know, I never pay fines. <laughs> it's just against me. I just don't pay them. Here tonight? And I will tell you that when Hillary brings up a point like that, and she talks about words that I said 11 years ago, I think it's disgraceful, and I think she should be ashamed of herself, if you want to know the truth. Are you serious? Are you serious? She should be ashamed of herself for bringing up the fact that Trump is bragging about just grabbing women in a pussy? That's the shameful that, part? How, that should be her response. Let me get this straight. <laughs> I should be ashamed that you said you grabbed a woman by the pussy. Okay, I'm gonna let you answer the next question. <laughs> Can we please call the applause? Yeah, I'll applause for that. Secretary Clinton, you have two minutes. I'll do that again. Well, first, let me start by saying Locker that so much of what he's just said is not right, but he gets to run his campaign any way he chooses. He gets to decide what he wants to talk about instead of answering people's questions, talking about our agenda, laying out the plans that we have that we think can make uh, 
a better life in a better country, that's his choice. When I hear something like that, I am reminded of what my friend Michelle Obama advised us all. Don't email your nomination speech. <laughs> go low, you go high. Yeah, exactly. That's my philosophy too. You go low for the pussy, then you get high on coke. <laughs> Look, if this were just about one video, maybe what he's saying tonight would be understandable. But everyone can draw their own conclusions at this point about whether or not the man in the video or the man on the stage respects women. But he never apologizes for anything to anyone. He never apologized to Mr. and Mrs. Khan, the Gold Star family, whose son, Captain Khan, died in the line of duty in Iraq. So strong point against Trump, and of course we're going through Trump's head right now is Khan! <laughs> you know I was going to do that and then decide against it? Well, thank you for sharing that pack. <laughs> Insulted and attacked them for weeks over their religion. He never apologized to the distinguished federal judge who was born in Indiana. But well, my defense really quickly, those two she's talking about, a Muslim and a Mexican, okay? <laughs> he trusted to be a judge because his parents were, quote, Mexican. He never apologized to the reporter that he mimicked and mocked on national television and our children were watching. And he never apologized. I don't think many kids watch Donald Trump's speeches. <laughs> the racist lie <laughs> that President Obama was not born in the United States of America. He owes the president an apology. He owes our country an apology. And he needs to take responsibility for his actions and his words. Well, you owe the president an apology because, as you know very well, uh, your campaign, Sidney Blumenthal, he's another real winner that you have, and he's the one that got this started along with your campaign manager, and they were on television just two weeks ago, she was saying exactly that. So you really owe him an apology. You're the one that sent the pictures around your campaign, sent the pictures around with President Obama in a certain garb. That was long before I was ever involved, so you actually owe an apology. Number two. No, you do. You started it, okay? gotten to see the commercials that they did on you. And I've gotten to see some of the most vicious commercials I've ever seen of Michelle Obama talking about you, Hillary. So, talk about friend, go back and take a look at those commercials. A race where you lost, fair and square, unlike the Bernie Sanders race where you won, but not fair and square, in my opinion. And all you have to do is take a look at WikiLeaks and just see what they said about Bernie Sanders and see what Deborah Wasson and Schultz had in mind. I think we run a rabbi outfit out tonight as well. Here's <laughs> between superdelegates and Deborah Wasson and Schultz. He never had a chance. And I was so surprised to see him sign on with the devil. But when you talk about apology, I think the one that you should really be apologizing for, yeah. the thing that you should be apologizing for, are the 33,000 emails that you deleted, and that you acid washed, and then the... That's right, they were from the 80s. <laughs> ...of emails and other things last week that were taken from an office and are now missing. And I'll tell you what... Wait, I wait, wait, wait. 
you don't, you can't take emails from an office. That's, that's not the whole point. Is that they're they're, di they're digital, man. They're not printouts. Yeah, but you got to print them out so you can acid wash them. <laughs> that's where you get into really fit. I say this, but I'm going to say, and I hate to say. Oh, you hate I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. It and can't be good in a presidential debate where the other candidate's laughing at you. <laughs> right? When you're talking and the other candidate's literally laughing at you, you can't be doing too well. Special prosecutor. When I speak, I go out and speak, the people of this country are furious. In my opinion, the people that have been long-term workers at the FBI are furious. When I go out and speak, I find out that, Hillary, you better never visit a trailer park. Because if you do, they are going to whip your ass. There's never been anything like this where emails and you get a subpoena. You get a subpoena, and after getting the subpoena, you delete 33,000 emails. And then you acid wash or bleach them, as you would say, a very expensive process. So we're going to get a special prosecutor. Really, like a dollar ninety-nine at CBS. And we're going to look into it because you know what? People have been their lives have been destroyed for doing one fifth of what you've done, and it's a disgrace. And honestly, you're going to be ashamed of yourself. Secretary Clinton, I want to follow up on that. I'm going to let you talk about it now because everything he just said is absolutely false. But I'm not surprised. In the first debate, and we the, first first the audience needs to I call back here that it would be impossible to be fact-checking Donald all the time. I'd never get to talk about anything I want to do and how we're going to really uh, make lives better for people. So, once again, go to HillaryClinton.com. We have literally Trump. You can fact-check him, fact-check, fact-check him in real time. Fact-check him time. First of all, we have millions of people uh, fact-checking. So, so I expect we'll have like millions more fact-checking uh, because, you know, it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Damn, that was pretty quick. That was pretty good. Badass. He should be up here. <laughs> He'll be available November 9th. <laughs> Talk out loud. Please do not applaud. You're just wasting time. And, and so, Christian, I do want to follow up on emails. You said your handling of your emails was a mistake. You disagreed with Director FBI Director James Comey, calling your handling of classified information, quote, extremely careless. The FBI said that there were 110 classified emails that were exchanged, eight of which were top secret, and that it was possible Costco actors did gain access to those emails. You don't call that extremely careless? Well, Martha, first let me say, and I've said it before, but I'll repeat it because I want everyone to hear it. That was a mistake. Secondly, Martha, if I can just remind you, if you make this point any stronger, this guy wins. Responsibility for using a personal email account. Uh, obviously, if I were to do it over again, I would not. I'm not making any excuses. Uh, it was a mistake, and I am very uh, sorry about that. But I think it's also important uh, to point out where there are some misleading accusations from critics and others. Uh, after a year-long investigation, there is no evidence 
that anyone hacked the server I was using. Critics and others like the FBI. You know, others, just like a miscellaneous category. There's no evidence that anyone uh, can point to at all, anyone who says otherwise has no basis, that any classified material ended up in the wrong hands. I take classified materials very seriously and always have. When I was on the Senate Armed Services Committee, I was privy to a lot of classified material. Obviously, as Secretary of State, I had some of the most important secrets uh, that we possess, such as going after bin Laden. Uh, so I am very committed to taking classified information seriously, and as I said, there is no evidence uh, that any classified... You think I'm just walking around thinking like, damn, that's right, she did get bin Laden. Damn, that's right, she was a senator. Shit, this is looking real. <laughs> on the flip side, she's like, once again, there was no evidence that I did any of this. I, I deleted that evidence, so there's none of it. It's been thoroughly washed by acid. <laughs> ended up in the wrong hands. And yet, she didn't know the word, the letter C on a document, right? She didn't even know what that word, what that letter meant. Huh? You know, it's amazing. I don't she, think he knows what the C means. I know what he thinks it means. <laughs> well, didn't he mark, he marked C on some of the rental applications for black people. So, they both have issues with the C word, you know what I mean? Backleaf.com, ladies and gentlemen. Go the facts. And she's going up to fact after fact. And she's lying again because she said she, you know, what she did with emails was fine. You think it was fine to delete 33,000 emails? I don't think so. She said the 33,000 emails had to do with her daughter's wedding, number one, and a yoga class. Well, maybe we'll give three or three or four or five or something. 33,000 emails deleted. And now she's saying there wasn't anything wrong. And more importantly, that was after getting a subpoena. That wasn't before, that was after. She got it from the United States Congress. And I'll be honest, I am so disappointed in congressmen, including Republicans, for allowing this to happen. Our Justice Department, where her husband goes onto the back of an airplane for 39 minutes, talks to the Attorney General days before a ruling is gonna be made in her case. But for you to say that there was nothing wrong with you deleting 39,000 emails again. I thought it was just 36,000. Yeah, where did you just add a whole... The thing is though, people like... Well, this is the base starter, she deleted 6,000 more emails. I was just in, I was just in Boston, and, uh, and I took a, a cab from Logan to my parents' house, and it didn't take three minutes for the cabbie to launch into this hold up a copy of the New York Post as his Bible and start ranting about how Hillary's emails and how she should be locked up. Like, the people that support him, they get so fired Like, he's brainwashed them into getting so fired up. Oh, Ben, stop thing. giving him credit for having a brain to wash. Ben Morrison, not over here, but Thank you very much. And this is after getting a subpoena. From the United States Congress. We have to move on. Second question, you respond that we have We, we want to give the audience a chance here. Jail, let alone after getting a subpoena from the United States Congress. Second question, you can respond that we have to move on to an audience question. Look, it's just not true. And so please, oh, go to allow her response, please. personal emails, not oh, official. 3,000? Not, well, we turned over 35,000. So oh, yeah. it was. What about the other 50, uh, allow, Please allow her to respond. She didn't talk while you talked. 
Yes, that's true, I didn't. Obama, there is a disaster story. 
<laughs> you know it, we all know it. It's going up at numbers that nobody's ever seen worldwide. It's nobody's ever seen numbers like this for healthcare. It's only getting worse. In 17, it implodes by itself. Their method of fixing it is to go back and ask Congress for more money, more and more money. We have right now almost $20 trillion in debt. Obamacare will never work. He really does make up these numbers. That, like, like what's a big number? Twenty trillion. <laughs> Twenty trillion's a big number. It's very bad, very bad health insurance. Far too expensive, and not only expensive for the person that has it, unbelievably expensive for our country. It's going to be one of the biggest line items very shortly. We have to repeal it and replace it with something absolutely much less expensive and something that works. works. It's called Let Poor People Die. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Act. Yeah. Donald's plan for healthcare is Obamacare is a disaster. We need a plan. Trump 2016. <laughs> we have to get rid of the lines around the state, artificial lines, where we stop insurance companies from coming in and competing because they want it. President Obama and whoever was working on it, they want to leave those lines because that gives the insurance companies essentially monopolies. We want competition. You will have the finest health care plan there is. She wants to go to a single payer plan, which would be has like one like two really slipped back pieces of hair. Like on you know, like a Star Trek character. Like it's, it's dry and there's two slips. There's like racing stripes. So. Somewhat similar to Canada. And if you ever notice the Canadians, when they need a big operation, when something happens, they come into the United States in many cases. Because their their system is so slow. You know, that I don't mind so much because Canadians are not brown. So I'm okay with them coming down. Except for the brown ones. <laughs> well, Russell Peters. <laughs> Russell's okay. Is he gonna, Very likable. Is he gonna build like a Game of Thrones style ice wall between <laughs> us and Canada? <laughs> catastrophic in certain ways, but she wants to go to single payer, which means the government basically rules everything. Hillary Clinton has been after this for years. Obamacare was the first step. Obamacare is a total disaster. And not only are your rates going up by numbers that nobody's ever believed, but your deductibles are going up. So that unless you get hit by a truck, you're never going to be able to use it. Disastrous plan, and it has to be repealed and replaced. Secretary Clinton, let me follow up with you. Your husband called Obamacare, quote, the craziest thing in the world, saying that small business owners are getting killed, his premiums double, coverage is cut in half. Was he mistaken, or was his mistake simply telling the truth? No, I mean, he clarified what he meant, and, and it's very clear. Look, we are in a situation in our country where if we were to start all over again, we might come up with a different system. But we have an employer-based system. That's where the vast majority of people get their health care. And the Affordable Care Act was meant to try to fill the gap between people who were too poor and couldn't put together any resources to afford health care, namely people on Medicaid. Obviously, Medicare, which is a single-payer system, which takes care of our elderly and does a great job doing it, by the way, and then all the people who were employed, but people who were working but didn't have the money to afford insurance and didn't have anybody, an employer or anybody else to help them. That was the, the slot that the Obamacare uh, approach was to take. And like I say, 20 million people now have health insurance. 
So if we just rip it up and throw it away, what Donald's not telling you is, we just turn it back to the insurance companies the way it used to be. And that means the insurance companies get to do pretty much whatever they want, including saying, look, I'm sorry, you've got diabetes, you had cancer, your child has asthma, you may not be able to have insurance because you can't afford it. So let's fix what's broken about it, but let's not throw it away. It's how they listen to Anderson. <laughs> Give it all back to the insurance companies. Let me follow up with you, Mr. That's not going to work. Let me follow up on this. First of all, Hillary, everything's broken about it. Everything. Number two, Bernie Sanders said that Hillary Clinton has very bad judgment. This is a perfect example of a Trump, Trump take Obamacare, which is. You said you want to end Obamacare. You said you want to end Obamacare. You also said you want to make coverage accessible for people with pre existing conditions. How do you force insurance companies to do that? If you're no longer mandating that everywhere we get insurance. Okay, you're going to have plans. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have plans that are so good because we're going to have so much competition in the insurance industry. Once we break out, once we break out the lines and allow the competition hey, to come. Yeah. The audience wrote their own joke on that. President Obama, by keeping those lines, the boundary lines around each state. And it was almost gone until just very toward the end of the passage of Obamacare. Which, by the way, was a fraud. You know that. Because Jonathan Gruber, the architect of Obamacare, was said, he said it was a great lie. It was a big lie. President Obama said, you keep your doctor, you keep your plan. The whole thing was a fraud. And it doesn't work. But when we get rid of those lines, you have competition. And we will be able to keep pre-existing. We'll also be able to have people that can't get, don't have money, because we are going to have people protected. And Republicans feel this way, believe it or not, and strongly this way, we're going to block grant into the states. We're going to block grant into Med Medicaid into the states so that we will be able to take care of people without the necessary funds to take care of themselves. Basically, what I want to do is I want to do Obamacare, also get rid of state lines, and that's the change. It's called Trump Care. It's a tiny change. Now go to Gorba Hamid with a question for both candidates. Gorba! Hi. Here's my health care plan. My crazy doctor with the fucking crazy hair is going to tell everybody they're healthy and then they're going to be great. 3.3 million Muslims in the United States, and I'm one You've mentioned working with Muslim nations. How do you help people like me? deal with the consequences of being labeled as a threat to the country after the election is over? First of all, thank you for your question. Secondly, can we have her removed? <laughs> she is both overweight and Muslim. She cannot be here. <laughs> She's a terrorist and a fake. You're probably sitting there hacking into the DNC, okay? She's like, Islamic Rosie O'Donnell. Can we please get her out of here? <laughs> well, you're right about Islamophobia, and that's a shame. But one thing we have to do is that's a shame sure. you brought it on yourself. <laughs> I don't know who is stoking Islamophobia, but that should stop. That should probably stop. <laughs> because there is a problem. We're going to have a complete and total shutdown of Islamophobia, okay? I mean, whether we like it or not, and we can be very politically correct, but whether we like it or not, there is a problem. And we have to be sure that Muslims come in and report when they see something going on. When they see hatred going on, they have to report it. As an example, in San Bernardino, 
Actually, she should just stop and say, I want to report you right now. There's some hatred going on. I'm seeing something. No, I'm saying something. People saw the bombs all over the apartment of the two people that killed 14 and wounded many, many people. Horrible and how many people have had that day? You go to the neighbor's house, there's bombs all over the apartment. And you're just, who do I call? What should I do? Muslims have to report the problems when they see them. And, you know, there's, a, there's always... So here's the way you get Muslims to do it. You alienate all Muslims, okay? So that they hate uh, people who aren't Muslims, so that they're more inclined to report their fellow Muslims. The plan makes zero sense. But here's the thing. I am stuck in a corner now. So <laughs> Muslims are supposed to report suspicious activity that they see, but the women that Trump assaults are not supposed to report suspicious activity that he's done. He's a star, man. He's a star. They let you do it. Couple people clap. Muslims, <laughs> Muslims are supposed to report suspicious activity. Let me give you an example. When I see a black person in one of my buildings, <laughs> the first thing I do is report it. <laughs> They're not even Muslims. They're not even Muslims. Imagine if they had like a turban on and they were black. Double report. Two reports. <laughs> if they don't do that, it's a very difficult situation for our country. Because you look at Orlando, and you look at San Bernardino, and you look at the World Trade Center, go outside, you look at Paris, look at that horrible, these are... Go outside and look at Paris. Where was the debate? I see it from Tower. <laughs> Both Islamic terrorists. And she won't even mention the word. And normal President Obama. He won't use the term radical Islamic terrorists. Now, to solve a problem, you have to be able to state what the problem is or at least say the name. She won't say the name, and President Obama won't say the name. And when it comes to calling people names, I'll say the name. It's radical Islamic terror. What's the question from a Muslim person asking how can I feel safe in this country? You're the problem. You're terrorizing us, okay? That's how you feel safe. Okay, that's two undecided set of moves. <laughs> Yourself, you have to say the name. Secretary Clinton. Well, thank you for asking your question. And I've heard this question from a lot of Muslim Americans across our country. Because, unfortunately, there's no, been a like, lot well, that thing. She's not a real Muslim. Of very divisive, dark things said about Muslims. And even someone like Captain Khan, the young man who sacrificed himself defending our country in the United States Army, has been subject to attack by the... Look at Alan Greer's piss right there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Dag, Dag is thinking, if my agent gives me a worse gig than this That's <laughs> like Luke Cage in 30 years. <laughs> and first, we've had Muslims in America since George Washington. And we've had many successful Muslims. We just lost a particularly well-known one with Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, he was well kind of well-known. Well America is America where everyone has a place. If you're willing to work hard, you do your part, you contribute to the community, 
That's what America is. That's what we want America to be for our children and our grandchildren. It's also very short-sighted and even dangerous to be engaging in the kind that, of that woman action. is looking at both of them like you are so full of shit. <laughs> she does not believe a word they're saying. <laughs> Rhetoric that Donald has about Muslims. We need American Muslims to be part of our eyes and ears on our front lines. I've worked with a lot of different Muslim groups around America. I've met with a In lot of In fact, they're very close with the Saudis. <laughs> and I've heard how important it is for them to feel that they Why would I do Trump support for Hillary? I have no idea. <laughs> very close with the Saudis. And Hillary Clinton, I approve this message. Included and part of our country, part of our homeland security, and that's what I want to see. It's also important, I intend to defeat ISIS, to do so in a coalition with majority Muslim nations. Right now, a lot of those nations are hearing what Donald says and wondering, well, why should we cooperate with the Americans? And this is a gift to ISIS and the terrorists, violent jihadist terrorists. We are not at war with Islam. And it is a mistake and it plays into the hands of the terrorists to act as though we are. So I want a country where citizens like you and your family are just as welcome as anyone else. Thank you, Secretary Clinton. Mr. Trump, in December, you said this. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. We have no choice. We have no choice. Your running mate said this week that the Muslim ban is no longer your position. Is that correct? And if it is, was it a mistake to have a religious test? First of all, Captain Khan is an American hero. And if I were president at that time, he would be alive today. Because unlike her, who voted for the war without knowing what she was doing, I would not have had our people in Iraq. Iraq was a disaster. So he would have been alive today. The Muslim ban is something that in some form has morphed into a extreme vetting from certain areas of the world. Hillary Clinton wants to allow... And, and why did it morph into that? No, did you, no, answer the question. Why you still believe, you I do. Me all the time. What are you interrupting? Please explain whether or not the Muslim ban still stands. It's called extreme vetting. We are going to areas like Syria where they're coming in by the tens of thousands because of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton wants to allow a 550% increase over Obama. People are coming into our country like we have no idea who they are, where they're from, what their feelings about our country is. This is really a bad at analogies. Like, they're coming into our country like we have a lot of them. <laughs> tremendous number. There's a tremendous number of them. 550% more. This is going to be the great Trojan horse of all time. We have enough problems in this country. I believe in building safe zones. I believe in having other people pay for them. As an example, the Gulf states who are not carrying their weight, but they have nothing but money, and take care of people. But I don't want to have with all the problems this country has and all of the problems that you see going on, hundreds of thousands of people coming in from Syria where we know nothing about them, we know nothing about their values, and we know nothing about their love for our country. And Secretary Clinton, let me ask you about that. 
because you have asked for an increase from 10 to 65,000 Syrian refugees. We know you want tougher vetting. That's not a perfect system. So why take the risk of having those refugees come into the country? Well, first of all, I will not let anyone into our country that I think poses a risk to us. But there are a lot of refugees, women and children. Think of that picture we all saw, that four-year-old boy with the blood on his forehead because he'd been bombed by the Russian and Syrian air forces. There are children suffering in this catastrophic war, largely, I believe, because of Russian aggression. And we need to do our part. We, by no means, are carrying anywhere near the load that Europe and others are. But we will have vetting that is as tough as it needs to be from our professionals, our intelligence uh, experts, and others. But it is important for us as a uh, policy, you know, not to say, as Donald has said, we're going to ban people based on religion. How do you do that? We are a country founded on religious freedom and liberty. How do we do what he has advocated without causing great distress within our own country? Well, the bad guys can just lie. You're actually a terrorist. Are you Muslim? Ah, fuck, I am. I'm going to go back. Religious <laughs> chess. When people fly into our country, and how do we expect to be able to implement those? I think so you sprinkle I, water on them, and if they're Muslim, they burn. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. They're like red ones? Like, do you make more Muslims? Yeah. <laughs> Only after midnight. <laughs> thought that what he said was extremely unwise and even dangerous. And indeed, you can look at the propaganda on a lot of the terrorist sites. And what Donald Trump says about Muslims is used to recruit fighters because they want to create a war between us. Did he and just get a hand signal? <laughs> Did he, who's he signaling? This guy on third base? Steal home. This is the 10th or 12th time that he's denied being for the war in Iraq. We have it on tape. The entire press corps has looked at it. It's been debunked, but it never stops him from saying whatever he wants has to say. It's not been debunked. So, please. <laughs> <laughs> it is full of bump. No one's removed the bump from it. No, I was against, I was against, and you can see it. I was against the war in Iraq. has not been debunked. And you voted for it, and you shouldn't have. Well, I just There's want to been lots say, of fact checking on that. I'd like to move on to an online question. She just went about 25 seconds over her time. Can I respond to this, please? Very quickly, please. Hillary Clinton, in terms of having people come into our country, we have many criminal illegal aliens. When we want to send them back to their country, their country says we don't want them. In some cases, they're murderers, drug lords, drug problems, and they don't want them. And Hillary Clinton, when she was Secretary of State, said, that's okay, we can't force it into their country. Let me tell you, I'm going to force them right back into their country. They're murderers and some very bad people. And I will tell you, very strongly, when Bernie Sanders said she had bad judgment, she has really bad judgment because we are letting people into this country that are going to cause problems and crime like you've never seen. We're also letting drugs pour through our southern border at a record clip. At a record clip. And it was they have a camera on Bernie? 
<laughs> when he said that, just to see how angry Bernie could get. He's like, we, we, <laughs> we have drugs pouring into this country at a record clip. I snorted most of that before I came out here tonight. Is he, is he still building the wall? We haven't heard about that in a while. Yeah, he hasn't mentioned he hasn't the wall. Long, long. That was like a big part of his campaign is the wall. He finally realized Mexico maybe won't pay for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Happen. ICE, <laughs> never endorsed a presidential candidate. The Border Patrol agents, 16,500, just recently endorsed me. And they endorsed me because I understand the border. She doesn't. I intend to employ all of them. So they gave me their endorsement because I'm the only one that wants them. And a quick quick comment from the audience. Uh, at Kayla L. Chaykin says, do you think SNL is going to get a good episode out of this debate? I'd say a strong fuck yes on that. <laughs> Amnesty for everybody. Come right in. Come right over. It's a horrible thing she's doing. She's got bad judgment, and honestly, so bad that she should never be president of the United States. That I can take. Thank you, Mr. Well, I want to move on. This next question comes from the public through the bipartisan Open Debate Coalition's online forum where Americans submitted questions that generated millions of votes. This question involves WikiLeaks release of purported excerpts of Secretary Clinton's paid speeches, which she has refused to release, and one line in particular in which you, Secretary Clinton, purportedly say, you need both a public and private position on certain issues. So, two from Virginia asks, is it okay for politicians to be two-faced? Is it acceptable for a politician to have a private stance on issues? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I made my whole campaign, Martha. That's how we become politicians. <laughs> well, your two minutes. Right. As, I as think I her recall. best answer would be, you know, I have two answers for that question. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, something I said about Abraham Lincoln uh, after having seen the wonderful Steven Spielberg movie called Lincoln, it was a master class watching President Lincoln get the Congress to approve the 13th Amendment. It was principled and it was strategic. Smart. Using the Daniel Day Lewis making the point that it is hard sometimes to get the Congress to do what you want to do, and you have to keep working at it. And yes, President Lincoln was trying to convince some people, he used some arguments, convincing other people, he used other arguments. That uh, was a great, uh, uh, I thought, a great uh, display of presidential leadership. Let me just tell you, Lincoln was shot in the head, okay? <laughs> I don't like people that get shot in the head. I like unshot people. <laughs> you know, let's talk about what's really going on here, Martha, because our intelligence community just came out and said in the last few days that the Kremlin, meaning Putin and the Russian government, are directing the attacks, the hacking on American accounts to influence our election. And WikiLeaks is part of that, as are other sites where the Russians hack information. We don't even know if it's accurate information. And then they put it out. We have never in the history of our country been in a situation where an adversary, a foreign power, is working so hard to influence the outcome of the election. And believe me, they're not doing it to get me elected. 
They're doing it to try to influence the election for Donald Trump. Now, maybe because he has praised Putin, maybe because he said he agrees with a lot of what Putin wants to do, maybe because he wants to do business in Moscow, I don't know the reasons, but we deserve answers. And we should demand that Donald release all of his tax returns so that people can see what are the entanglements and the financial relationships. Let me just finish, Martha. I insist he release. I, I spoke at length about this in speeches. I won't release myself. Because so ridiculous. Look, now she's blaming. She got caught in a total lie. Her papers went out to all her friends at the banks, Goldman Sachs, and everybody else, and she said things, WikiLeaks, that just came out. And these banks, they're not good people. They keep asking me for the money back. They let me. I don't have it anymore. They won't stop calling. Not good people. Now she's blaming the lie on the late great Abraham Lincoln. That's one that I have. Okay, honest Abe. Honest Abe never lied. That's the good thing. That's the big difference between Abraham Lincoln and you. That's a big, big difference. We're talking about some. There's probably one or two other differences. <laughs> yeah, like she didn't get shot in the head. But as far as other elements of what she was saying, I don't know, Putin. I think it would be great if we got along with Russia because we could fight ISIS together as an example, but I don't know Putin. But I notice anytime anything wrong happens, they like to say the Russians, she doesn't know it's the Russians doing the hacking. Maybe there is no hacking, but they always blame Russia. And the reason they blame Russia is because they think they're trying to tarnish me with Russia. I know nothing about Russia. I know, I know about Russia, but I know nothing about the inner workings of Russia. I'm dealing, I have no businesses, I have no loans from Russia. I have a very, very great balance sheet, so great that when I did the old post office, on Pennsylvania Avenue, the United States government, because of my balance sheet, which they actually know very well, chose me to do the old post office between the White House and Congress, chose me to do the old post office. One of the primary things, in fact, perhaps the primary thing was balance sheet. But I have no loans. Don't you think that the U.S. government you? was like, you owe us so much fucking money, can you just build us a post office, please? <laughs> You could go to the United States government and they would probably tell you that because they know my sheet very well in order to get that development. They know the sheet. They've been yeah, I, I think we should go to the government. We should ask Barack Obama what a great guy Donald Trump is. <laughs> I'm sure he'll chime in. By the way, we I have a someone tweeted uh let me get the name of the person. We need the name, Ben? I don't know, maybe that's up to you. All right, well, Hollywood Grad ninety-eight asked, who moved the sleeping black guy? <laughs> uh, he was undecided. Trump answered a question. He decided and walked out. <laughs> you were Hashtag, how did you sleep? Be part of the conversation. That's all. The taxes are a very simple thing. As soon as I have, first of all, I pay hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Many of our friends. Every time, I think I figured out, every time he's... He's inhaling there, he's just he's acknowledging a lie, maybe to the Russians. He's like, I don't know Putin. And let me just say, I paid hundreds of millions. It's like a modern day wink. It's like, it's a new move. Under the microphone uh, is where he keeps his coat. He's actually doing little bumps. <laughs> yeah. He's a tired man. It's been a rough weekend. Jim's Warren Buffett took a massive deduction. Uh, Soros, who's a friend of hers, took a massive deduction. Many of the people that are giving her all this money that she can do many more commercials than me gave her took massive deductions. 
I pay hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes, but, but, as soon as my routine audit's finished, I'll release my returns. I'll be very proud to. Thank you, Mr. Trump. Because, uh, we're on turn, actually, the topic of taxes. We have a question from Spencer Moss. Spencer? Good evening. Uh, my question is, what specific tax provisions will you change to ensure the wealthiest Americans pay their fair share in taxes? Mr. Trump, you have two minutes. Well, one thing I do is get rid of carried interest. The One of the greatest provisions for people like me, to be honest with you. I give up a lot when I run, because... I knock out the tax code. And she could have done this years ago, by the way. She's a United States, she was a United States Senator. She complains that Donald Trump took advantage of the tax code. Well, why didn't she change it? Why didn't you change it when you were a senator? Uh, uh, you know, senators can just walk in and change the law. Well, that's how the government works. They just say, hey, I want to change this, and it all changes. More importantly, uh, tax provisions are introduced by the House. <laughs> Well, your friends take the same advantage of it. I do. You have provisions in the tax code that, frankly, we could change. But you wouldn't change it because all of these people give you the money so you can take negative ads on Donald Trump. But, and I say that about a lot of things. You know, I've, I've heard Hillary complaining about so many different things over the years. I wish you had done this. But she's been there for 30 years. She's been doing this stuff. She never changed. And she never will change. She never will change. We're getting rid of carried interest provisions. That's the best point, by the way, I think, against her, too, is that when he channels the, I'm the outsider who's going to change these Washington cronies that never stop putting money in their own pockets. That's the best argument, I think. I, I, I am best suited to grab some life into them pussies, is basically what he's saying. Mm -hmm. You can save a lot of money in there. <laughs> it's so important for corporations because we have corporations leaving massive corporations and little ones. Little ones can't form. We're getting rid of regulations, which goes hand in hand with the lowering the taxes. But we're bringing the tax rate down from 35% to 15%. We're cutting taxes for the middle class. And I will tell you, we are cutting them bigly for the middle class. And I will tell you, Hillary Clinton is raising the taxes. Did you say bigly? He didn't say bigly. He said bigly out loud. Now everybody keeps saying he's saying bigly. He's saying big league. He's saying bigly. Uh, okay. yeah, funny that, that, that attack is unfounded on Trump. Please. He's saying bigly. Yeah, so she can look at me. She's raising your taxes really high. And but he does. He does. He does. Only says he's only lowering corporate taxes from 35 to 15, and then doesn't tell you the amount of middle class taxes that are going to be lower. Big league. It's going to be an amount. Don't worry. We're tremendous going to amount. A tremendous you know, amount. 18 billion. Let's just make up. <laughs> make up now. A lot of people are telling me my numbers are accurate. <laughs> That's going to do is a disaster for the country. But she's raising your taxes, and I'm lowering your taxes. That in itself is a big difference. We are going to be thriving again. We have no growth in this country. There's no growth. If China has a GDP of 7%, it's like a national catastrophe. We're down at 1%, and that's like no growth. And we're going lower, in my opinion. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that our taxes are so high, just about the highest in the world. And I'm bring, bringing them down to one of the lower in the world. And I think it's so important, one of the most important things we can do. But she's raising everybody's taxes massively. Secretary Clinton, you have two minutes. The question was, uh, what specific tax provisions would change to ensure the wealthiest Americans paying their fair share of taxes? Well, everything you've heard just now from Donald is not true. I'm, I'm sorry I have to keep saying this, but he lives in an alternative reality. 
And it is sort of amusing to hear somebody who hasn't paid federal income taxes in maybe 20 years talking about what he's going to do, but I'll tell you what he's going to do. His plan will give the wealthy and corporations the biggest tax cuts they've ever had, more than the Bush tax cuts by at least a factor of two. Donald always takes care of Donald and people like Donald, and this would be a massive gift. And indeed, the way that he talks about his tax cuts would end up raising taxes on middle-class families, millions of middle-class families. Now, here's what I want to do. I have said nobody who makes less than $250,000 a year, and that's the vast majority of Americans, as you know, will have their taxes raised because I think we've got to go where the money is, and the money is with people who take advantage of every single break in the tax code. And yes, when I was a senator, I did vote to close corporate loopholes. I voted to I think close. That's how Trump walks around his, his house when he tweets late at night. That's how they're angry, like, mm, what am I going to say now? I think one of the loopholes he took advantage of when he claimed a billion dollar uh, loss that enabled him to avoid paying taxes. I want to have a tax on people who are making a million dollars. It's called the Buffett Rule. Yes, Warren Buffett is the one who's gone out and said somebody like him should not be paying a lower tax rate than his secretary. I want to have a surcharge on incomes above five million. We have to make up for lost times because I want to invest in you. I want to invest in hardworking families. And I think it's been unfortunate. But I think right now some of our friends on Wall Street are like, what's this surcharge thing? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. And Trump's 100% frozen back there. He's waiting for a chance to say tremendous some more. Happened that since the Great Recession, the gains have all gone to the top. And we need to reverse that. People like Donald who paid zero in taxes, zero for our vets, zero for our military, zero for health and education. That is wrong. And we're going to make sure that nobody, no corporation and no individual, can get away without paying his fair share to support our country. Mr. Trump, I want to give the chance to respond. I don't respect, I'll do another bullshit argument. That's another one where I think Trump comes off a lot better, actually, because who doesn't take advantage of the tax laws? Who's like, I got loopholes I can do with me if we're going to Slow down, man. How much you getting paid for this gig? Taking advantage of million dollar tax loopholes? That's a good point. You getting any money for this? He's taking advantage of free comedians, that's for sure. My only point is that he's saying he takes advantage of that, but he wants to change it, and she's saying it's wrong not to pay the taxes. If you get away with it, he gets audited every year, then they're not throwing him in jail for tax evasion. I think Anderson Cooper realized during her speech that he makes more than 250 grand a year. You better give Trump more time. Here's what she's referred to the last month. Taxes were the number one issue on Facebook for the first time in the campaign. The New York Times published three pages of your 1995 tax return. They showed you claimed a $960 million loss, which means you could have avoided paying personal federal income taxes for years. You said you pay state taxes, employee taxes, real estate taxes, property taxes. You have not answered, though, a simple question. Did you use that $960 million loss to avoid paying personal federal income taxes? For of course I do. Of course I do. And so do all of her donors, or most of her donors. I know many of her donors. Her donors took massive tax write-offs. So a lot of my write-off was depreciation and other things that Hillary as a senator allowed. And she'll always allow, because the people that give her all this money, they want it. That's why. See, I understand the tax code better than anybody that's ever run for president. Hillary Clinton, and it's extremely complex, 
Hillary Clinton has friends that want all of these provisions, including... Unlike me, it's extremely complex. ...interest provision, which is very important to Wall Street people, but they really want the carried interest provision, which I believe Hillary's leaving. And very interesting why she's leaving carried interest. But I will tell you that, number one, I pay tremendous numbers she's of taxes. She's laughing again. I, I, and he said tremendous again, so good call. <laughs> Absolutely used it, and so did Warren Buffett, and so did George Soros, and so did many of the other people that Hillary is uh, getting money from. Now, I won't mention their names, because they're rich, but they're not famous, so we won't make them famous. Can you, can you say how many years you have avoided paying personal federal income taxes? No, but it's, I pay tax, and I pay federal tax, too. But I have a write-off, a lot of it's depreciation, which is a wonderful charge. I love depreciation. And, you know, she's given it to us. Hey. If she had a problem, for 30 years she's been doing this, Anderson, I say it all the time. She talks about health care. Why didn't she do something about it? She talks about taxes. Why didn't she do something about it? She doesn't do anything about anything other than talk. With her, it's all talk and no action. In the past, and, and again, Bernie Sanders, it's really bad judgment. She Bernie's has made bad right judgment now. not only on taxes, she's made bad judgments on Libya, on Syria, on Iraq. I mean, her and Obama, whether you like it or not, the way they got out of Iraq, the vacuum they've left, that's why ISIS formed in the first place. They started from that little area, and now they're in 32 different nations. So, so 32 nations, which I also don't pay taxes in. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name or response, Secretary Clinton? Well, here we go again. I've been uh, in favor of getting rid of carried interest for years, um, starting when I was a senator from New York. But that's now, not why, why is Trump strong? She's huge now. What's going on? <laughs> why didn't you do that? <laughs> because I was a senator with a Republican president. Oh, really? I will be the you president. You take that, Tony Trump. If you were an effective senator, you could have done it. If you were an effective senator, you could have done it. But you were not an effective senator. That's a response. didn't interrupt you. You know, under our Constitution, presidents have something called veto power. Veto power. Look, he has now said repeatedly, 30 years this and 30 years that. So let me talk about my 30 years in public service. I'm very glad to do so. Eight million kids every year have health insurance because when I was first lady, I worked with Democrats and Republicans to create the Children's Health Insurance Program. Hundreds of thousands of kids now have a chance to be adopted because I worked to change our adoption and foster care system. After 9-11, I went to work with Republican mayor, governor, and president to rebuild New York and to get health care for our first responders who were suffering because they had run toward danger and gotten sickened by it. Hundreds of thousands of National Guard and Reserve members have health care because of work that I did. And children have safer medicines because I was able to pass a law that required the dosing to be more carefully done. When I was Secretary of State, I went around the world advocating for our country, but also advocating for women's rights to make sure that women had a decent chance to have a better life and negotiated a treaty with Russia to lower nuclear weapons. 400 pieces of legislation have my name on it as a sponsor or co-sponsor when I was a senator for eight years. 
I worked very hard and was very proud to be re-elected in New York by an even bigger margin than I'd been elected the first time. He's got that, why did I bring this up look? <laughs> As president, I will take that work, that bipartisan work, that finding common ground, because you have to be able to get along with people to get things done in Washington. Thank you, Secretary. And I've proven that I can, and for 30 years, I've produced results for Thank people. Thank you, Secretary. We're going to move on to Syria. Both of you have mentioned that. You've said a lot of things. You, you, I, mean, I think we should. We can stop. Mr. Trump, we're going to go on. This is about I just like to quickly wedge in there, disaster, tremendous disaster. Thank you. You know, a five-year-old Syrian boy named Amran sitting in an ambulance after being pulled from the rubble, rubble after an airstrike in Aleppo focused the world's attention on the borders of the war in Syria with 136 million views on Facebook alone. But there are much worse images coming out of Aleppo every day now, where in the past few weeks alone, 400 people have been killed, at least 100 of them children. Just days ago, the State Department called for a war crimes investigation of the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad and its ally, Russia, for the bombardment of Aleppo. So this next question comes from social media through Facebook. Diane from Pennsylvania asks, if you were president, what would you do about Syria and the humanitarian crisis in Aleppo? Isn't it a lot like the Holocaust when the U.S. waited too long before we helped? Secretary Clinton, we will begin with your two minutes. Well, the situation in Syria is catastrophic. And every day that goes by, we see the results of the regime, uh, I saw it in partnership with the Iranians on the ground, the Russians in the air, bombarding places, in particular Aleppo, where there are hundreds of thousands of people, probably about 250,000 still left. And there is a determined effort by the Russian Air Force to destroy Aleppo in order to eliminate the last of the Syrian rebels who were really holding out against the Assad regime. Russia hasn't paid any attention to ISIS. They're interested in keeping Assad in power. So I, when I was Secretary of State, advocated, and I advocate today, a no-fly zone and safe zones. We need some leverage with the Russians uh, because they're not going to uh, come to the negotiating table for a diplomatic uh, resolution unless there is some leverage over them. And we have to work more closely with our partners and allies on the ground. But I want to emphasize that what is at stake here is the ambitions and the aggressiveness of Russia. Russia has decided that it's all in in Syria and they've also decided who they want to see become president of the United States too and it's not me. I've stood up to Russia, I've taken on Putin and others, and I would do that as president. I think wherever we can cooperate with Russia, that's fine, and I did as Secretary of State. That's how we got a treaty reducing nuclear weapons. It's how we got the sanctions on Iran that put a lid on the Iranian nuclear program without firing a single shot. So I would go to the negotiating table with more leverage than we have now, but I do support the effort to investigate for crimes, war crimes, committed by the Syrians and the Russians and try to hold them accountable. Thank you, Secretary Clinton. First of all, there, Secretary of State, with the so-called line in the sand, which 
No, I wasn't. I was gone. I hate to interrupt okay. you, but but you were in contact. Point, excuse me. You were we you were in total contact with the White House, and perhaps, sadly, Obama probably still listened to you. I don't think he'd be listening very much anymore. Obama draws the line in the sand. It was left at all over the world what happened. Now, with that being said, she talks tough against Russia, but our nuclear program has fallen way behind, and they've gone wild with their nuclear program. Not good. Our government shouldn't have allowed that to happen. Russia is new in terms of nuclear. We are old, we're tired, we're exhausted in terms of nuclear. A very bad thing. Now she talks tough. She talks really tough against against uh, Putin and against Assad. She talks in favor of the rebels. She doesn't even know who the rebels are. You know, every time we take rebels, whether it's in Iraq or anywhere else, we're, we're arming people. And you know what happens? They end up being worse than the people. Look at what she did in Libya with Gaddafi. Gaddafi's out. It's a mess. And by the way, ISIS has a good chunk of their oil. I'm sure you probably have heard that. It was a disaster. Because the fact is, almost everything she's done in foreign policy has been a mistake and it's been a disaster. But if you look at Russia, just take a look at Russia and look at what they did this week, where I agree she wasn't there, but possibly she's consulted. We signed a peace treaty. I'd like to make several points that she may have not actually been there for. <laughs> but just to hear them and then assume she was there for them. So my point lands. Thank you very much. But what Russia did, and with Assad, and by the way, with Iran, who you made very powerful, with the dumbest deal perhaps I've ever seen in the history of deal-making. And he knows dumb deals. <laughs> this man has bankrupted casinos. When it comes to dumb deals, he knows how to make them. $150 billion with the $1.7 billion in cash, which is enough cash to fill up this room. But look at, look at that deal. Iran now and Russia are now against us. So she wants to fight. She wants to fight for rebels. There's only one problem. You don't even know who the rebels are. Mr. Trump. So Mr. what's Trump, the purpose? And, and what do you have to say? You're too I don't like Assad at all. But Assad is killing ISIS. Russia is killing ISIS. And Iran is killing ISIS. And those three have now lined up because of our weak foreign policy. Mr. Trump, let me repeat the question. If you were president, <laughs> what would you do about Syria and the humanitarian crisis in Aleppo? And I want to remind you what you're. I just said, today. Martha, she was not in the White House during the red line thing. Should I say it again? <laughs> he said provocations by Russia need to be met with American strength, and that if Russia continues to be involved in airstrikes along with the Syrian government forces of Assad. The United States of America should be prepared to use military force to strike the military targets of the Assad regime. He and I haven't spoken, and I disagree. I disagree. You disagree I with your running mate. Look, my running mate's an idiot, okay? Nobody hires great people, okay? You know, my running mate, he reads books. <laughs> he's got all that thinking going on. He's got, he's got experience as well, Alonzo. That's I'm, right, but he's not tremendous. I don't even think he's ever grabbed anyone in the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to trust a guy that doesn't grab what he wants? You know what I mean? you got to grab that deal. Yes, fighting ISIS. We have people that want to fight both at the same time. But Syria is no longer Syria. Syria is Russia, and it's Iran who she made strong and carry and. Whoa! Extreme blows up on Hillary's face, right there. 
That's right. Really if you guys ever, like, I think Eric Trump just got in the control booth there. <laughs> if I ever have an erection, I want to go away real quick. I'm just gonna think of that smash zone. <laughs> <laughs> keep it in the bank. Powerful nation and a very rich nation. Very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. I believe we have to get ISIS. We have to worry about ISIS before we can get too much more involved. She had a chance to do something with Syria. They had a chance. And that was the line. What do you think and will she, happen if Aleppo falls? I think Aleppo is a disaster humanitarian. What do you think will happen and if it falls? I think that it basically has fallen. Okay? It basically has fallen. Let me tell you something. You take a look at Mosul. The biggest problem I have with the stupidity of our foreign policy. We have Mosul. They think a lot of the ISIS leaders are in Mosul. So we have announcements coming out of Washington and coming out of Iraq. We will be attacking Mosul in three weeks or four weeks. But all of these bad leaders from ISIS are leaving Mosul. Why can't they do it quietly? Why can't they do the attack, make it a sneak attack, and after the attack is made, inform the American public that we've knocked out the leaders. Why, you know, so why can't they launch a sneak attack? I'm announcing right now. Why can't they do that? You know, a sneak attack and take out the leader, like they did with Bin Laden. Oh, wait a minute, they did do that. <laughs> People leave. Why do they have to say we're going to be attacking Mosul within the next four to six weeks, which is what they're saying. How so civilians can get our dumbass? <laughs> Okay. There are sometimes reasons the military does that. Psychological I can't warfare. Think of any. I can't think of any. It no. might be to help get civilians out. I have 200 generals and admirals who endorse me. I have 21 Congressional Medal of Honor recipients who endorse me. We talk about it. And oh, all the God. others endorse her. <laughs> there are three million former generals. I've got 21 of them. They understand. Why can't they do something secretively when they go in and they knock out the leadership? How? Why would these people stay there? I've been reading now for weeks about Mosul that it's the harbor of where, you know, between Raqqa and Mosul, this is where they think the ISIS leaders are. Why would they be saying, they're not staying there anymore, they're gone. Because everybody's talking about how Iraq, which is us, with our leadership, goes in to fight Mosul. Now, with these 200 admirals and generals, they can't believe it. All I say is this, General George Patton, General Douglas MacArthur are spinning in their grave at the stupid. And both dead generals support me. <laughs> I checked with them. Of what we're doing in the Middle East. I'm going to go to Secretary Clinton. Secretary Clinton, do you want to say Rabbi Clinton, please. Hey, this fucking schmuck. Hated <laughs> arming rebels, but it looks like that may be too late for Aleppo. You talk about diplomatic efforts, those have failed, ceasefires have failed. Would you introduce the threat of U.S. military force beyond a no-fly zone against the Assad regime to back up diplomacy? Well, let me answer that, Martha. I know that we should, but it's against the narrative of me trying to tamp down people thinking I'm a hawk. So I'm going to say no, and as soon as I'm in, fuck yeah, we're going troops in. Syria. Let's do that shit. Uh, use American ground forces in Syria. I think that would be a very serious mistake. I don't think American troops should be uh, holding territory, which is what they would have to do as an occupying force. I don't think that is a smart strategy. I do think the use of special forces, which we're using, 
uh, the use of uh, enablers and trainers in Iraq, which has had some positive effects, uh, are very much in our interests. And so I do support what is happening. But so what would you do differently than President Obama is well, doing? Mar Martha, I hope that by the time I am I hope by the time I am president that we will have supported ISIS out of Iraq. I do think that there is a good chance that we can take Mosul. Uh, and you know, Donald says he knows more about ISIS than the generals. No, he doesn't. Uh, there are a lot of uh, very important planning going on, and some of it is to signal uh, to the Sunnis in the area, as well as Kurdish Peshmerga fighters, that we all need to be in this, and that takes a lot of planning and preparation. I would go after Baghdadi. I would specifically target Baghdadi, because I think our targeting of Al-Qaeda leaders, and I was in Everyone knows nobody's following any of this answer. It's just like, I know shit, he doesn't, basically. <laughs> operations, highly classified ones. Rumsfeld down here is confused. Rumsfeld <laughs> looking the wrong way. Yeah, the mic still looks smaller and <laughs> So I think that could help. I would also consider arming the Kurds. The Kurds have been our best partners in uh, Syria as well as Iraq. And I know there's a lot of concern about that in some circles, but I think they should have the equipment they need so that Kurdish and Arab fighters on the ground are the principal way that we take Raqqa after pushing ISIS out of Iraq. Thank you very much. We're going to move on. She went over a minute over, and you don't stop her. When I go one second over, it's like... You have you many know, answers. Really, it's really very interesting. Next question over here from uh, James Carter. James Carter. Jimmy Carter's here, all right. I believe that's Jimmy Carter. <laughs> My question is, do you believe you can be a devoted president to all the people in the United States? That question begins for Mr. Trump. We would both like to agree Absolutely. no on that. <laughs> I mean, uh, she calls our people deplorable a large group, and irredeemable. Actually, half of his supporters isn't that large a group. <laughs> I will be a president for all of our people, and I'll be a president that will turn our inner I will be a president for all of our people, white people, white power. <laughs> and we'll give strength to people, and we'll give economics to people, and we'll bring jobs back, because NAFTA, signed by her husband, is perhaps the greatest Disaster and Liz Snowden sitting there fact checking in the front. And Rob Ford, late mayor Rob Ford, right behind Snowden. Look in the history of the world, not at this country. It stripped us of manufacturing jobs. Wait a minute, does that mean NAFTA is worse than the Obamacare, which was the worst decision in the world? Has the worst decision They're both in the tremendously worse. Oh. <laughs> we lost our jobs. We lost our money, we lost our plans. It is a disaster. And now she wants to sign TPP, even though she says now she's for it. She called it the gold standard. And by the way, at the last debate, she lied because it turned out that she did say the gold standard, then she said she didn't say it. They actually said that she lied. Okay, and she lied. Which is surprising because they usually are saying that about me. And it's very exciting when once in a blue she gets one. A lot of things. I would be a president for all of the people, African Americans. The inner cities? Sure. Devastating yes. yes. cities. She's been talking about it for years. As usual, she talks about it, nothing happens. She doesn't get it done. 
Same with the Latina Americans. Yeah, where not a lot of Americans live in the United States. Same exact thing. No, I would say the Latinos, also the Hispanics. I would also like to help Mexicans. And also people, the, the fruit vendor guys. Americans, Nubians, all three of those people. <laughs> Inner cities, and you see it's 45% poverty. African Americans have 45% poverty in the inner cities. The education is a disaster. I can Jobs raise that. Are, <laughs> <laughs> I can get that to a solid 60%. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I, and I've been saying that big speeches where I have 20 and 30,000 people. None of them African Americans are Mexicans. It's incredible. But many of them deplorable. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get any worse. And she's been talking about the inner cities for 25 years. Nothing's going to ever happen. Okay, if she's president of the United States, nothing's going to happen. It's just going to be talking. Or her friends, the taxes we were talking about. And I would just get it by osmosis. She's not doing me favors. But by doing all the others favors, she's doing me favors. But, but I will tell you, she's all talk. It doesn't get done. All you have to do is take a look at her Senate run. Take a look at upstate New Yorker. Two minutes is up. It's turned out to be a disaster. You have two minutes. Well... 67% of people voted to re-elect me when I ran for my second term, and I was very proud and very humbled by that. Mr. Carter, I have tried my entire life to do what I can to support children and families. You know, right out of law school, I went to work for the Children's Defense Fund, and Donald talks a lot about, you know, the 30 years I've been in public service. I'm proud of that. You know, I started off as a young lawyer working against discrimination against African-American children in schools and in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. I worked to make sure that kids with disabilities could get a public education, something that I care very much about. If any of you don't know what kids with disabilities looks like, I can do the hand motions. Anybody? <laughs> with yeah. Latinos, one of my first jobs in politics was down in South Texas, registering Latino citizens to be able to vote. So I have a And it took Texas 20 years to get them off the voter rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I, in fact, tried very specifically to do one thing in each demographic group so that I could prepare for this answer at this very moment. Motion, to use your absolutely correct word, to making sure that every American feels like he or she has a place in our country. And that place might be inside a prison, but they have a place. <laughs> Look at the letters that I get. A lot of people are worried that maybe they wouldn't have a place in Donald Trump's America. They write me, and one woman wrote me about her son, Felix. She adopted him from Ethiopia when he was a toddler. He's 10 years old now. It's the only country he's ever known. And he listens to Donald on TV, and he said to his mother one day, Will he send me back to Ethiopia if he gets elected? Well, he's old now. <laughs> he just gave his name. Ten-year-old Ethiopian boy named Felix who watches lots of Trump speeches. Could be quite made up, if you ask me. We <laughs> <laughs> were talking with Ethiopians, Felix and Carl. We were watching Trump speeches. <laughs> Set to go back to the very, very first question. And there's a lot of fear. In fact, teachers and parents are calling it the Trump effect. 
Bullying is up. A lot of people are feeling you know, uneasy. A lot of kids are expressing their concerns. So first and foremost, I will do everything I can to reach out to everybody. Democrats, Republicans, independents, people across our country. If you don't vote for me, I still want to be your president. I want to be the up. best president I can be for every American. Secretary Clinton, your two minutes is up. I want to follow up on something that Donald Trump actually said to you, uh, a comment you made last month. You said that half of Donald Trump supporters are, quote, deplorables, racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. You later said you regretted saying half. You didn't express regret for using the term deplorables. So, Mr. Carter's question, how can you unite a country if you've written off tens of millions of Americans? Well, within hours, I, I said that I was sorry about the way I, I um, talked about that because my argument is not with his supporters, it's with him and with the hateful and divisive campaign that he has run and the inciting of violence at his rallies and the very uh, brutal kinds of comments about not just women, but all Americans, all kinds of Americans. And what he has said about African Americans and Latinos, about Muslims, about POWs, uh, about immigrants, about people with disabilities, he's never apologized for. And so I do think that a lot of the tone and tenor that he has said, I'm proud of the campaign that Bernie Sanders and I ran. We ran a campaign based on issues, not insults, and he is supporting me 100% because we talked about what we wanted to do. We might have had some differences and we had a lot of debates, but we believed that we could make the country better and I was proud of that. We have a divided nation. We have a very divided nation. You look at Charlotte, you look at Baltimore, you look at the violence that's taking place in the inner cities, Chicago. You take a look at Washington, D.C. We have a increase in murder within our cities, the biggest in 45 years. We have a divided nation because people like her, and believe me, she has tremendous hate in her heart. And when she says the violence, she And when she said they're redeemable, they're irredeemable. You didn't mention that. But when she said they're irredeemable, to me that might have been even worse. She said she's a tremendous, tremendous hatred. Is this like a Mr. Robot thing? Is he Kate Hillary's just an invented alter personality of him? Like, what tremendous hate in her heart? What the fuck is he talking about? Take another four years of Barack Obama, and that's what you're getting with her. Mr. Trump, if we're lucky. Yeah. How many of you guys right now would want one more term of Obama to step out here and say? Everyone wants that except Barack Obama. He's had enough of this bullshit. So the most important characteristic of a good leader is discipline. You said if a leader doesn't have it, quote, he or she won't be one for very long. In the days after the first debate, you sent out a series of tweets from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m., including one that told people to check out a sex tape. Is that the discipline I've been No, there was a sex check out of sex tape. Mm -hmm. Just take a look at the person that she built up to be this wonderful uh, Girl Scout, who was no Girl Scout. And by the way, just so you understand, when she said 3 o'clock in the morning, take a look at Benghazi. She said, who's going to answer the call at 3 o'clock in the morning? Guess what? She didn't answer because when Ambassador Stevens six hundred times, well, she said she was awake at three o'clock in the morning, and she also sent a tweet out at three o'clock in the morning. But I won't even mention that. You she just mentioned it. Please get the famous thing. We're going to answer our call at three o'clock in the morning. Guess what happened? Ambassador Stevens 
Ambassador Stevens sent 600 requests for help. And the only one she talked to was Sidney Blumenthal, who's her friend and not a good guy, by the way. So, you know, she shouldn't be talking about that. Now, tweeting happens to be a modern day form of communication. I mean, you can like it or not like it. I have, between Facebook and Twitter, I have almost 25 million people. It's a very effective way of communication. So you can put it down, but it is a very effective form of communication. I'm not unproud of it, to be honest with you. Secretary Clinton, does Mr. Trump have the discipline to be a good leader? No. I'm shocked to hear that. Well, it's, it's, it's not only my opinion, it's the opinion of many others, uh, national security experts, Republicans, former Republican members of Congress, but it's in part because those of us who have had the great privilege of so like also your own running mate yesterday said, I cannot defend this guy's fucking statement. Let's see what he says at the debate. I'll get back to you. This job up close and know how difficult it is. And it's not just because I watched my husband take a $300 billion deficit and turn it into a $200 billion surplus and 23 million new jobs were created and incomes went up for everybody. Everybody. African-American incomes went up 33%. And it's not just because I worked with George W. Bush after 9-11. And I was very proud that when I told him what the city needed, what we needed to recover, he said, you've got it, and he never wavered. He stuck with me. And I have worked, and I admire President Obama. He inherited the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. That was a terrible time for our country. Nine million people lost five million homes were lost, Secretary and $13 trillion in family wealth was wiped out. We are back on the right track. He would send us back into recession with his tax plans. Secretary Clinton. Also, I got this great gold bracelet from this uh, Goldman Sachs speech I just gave. <laughs> This question, we're almost out of time. We, we have another screw. Mr. Trump's moving to the Good evening. Perhaps the most important aspect of this election is the Supreme Court justice. What would you prioritize as the most important aspect White. of electing a Supreme Court? White male full stop. This is one of the most important uh, issues in this election. It should um, be. It should have already been solved. <laughs> to uh, appoint Supreme Court justices who understand the way the world really works, who have real-life experience, who have not just been in a big law firm and maybe clerked for a judge and then gotten on the bench, but you know, maybe they tried some more cases. They actually understand what people are up against because I think the current court has gone in the wrong direction. And so I would want to see uh, the Supreme Court uh, reverse Citizens United and get dark, unaccountable money out of our politics. Donald doesn't agree with that. I would like the Supreme Court to understand that voting rights are still a big problem in many parts of our country, that we don't always do everything we can to make it possible for people of color and older people and young people to be able to exercise their franchise. I want a Supreme Court 
that will stick with Roe v. Wade and a woman's right to choose, and I want a Supreme Court that will stick with marriage equality. Now, Donald has put forth the names of some people that he would consider, and among the ones that he has suggested are people who would reverse Roe v. Wade and reverse marriage equality. I think that would be a terrible mistake and would take us backwards. I want a Supreme Court that doesn't always... Plus, if you're against abortions, gay marriage would be like your favorite thing. With corporate interests. I want a Supreme Court that understands because you're wealthy and you can give more money to something doesn't mean you have any more rights or should have any more rights than anybody else. So I have very clear views about what I want to see to to change the balance on the Supreme Court. And I regret deeply that the Senate has not done its job and they have not permitted a vote on the person that President Obama, a highly qualified person, they've not given him a vote to be able to have the full complement of nine Supreme Court justices. So what I'm gonna do is put Obama on the court and really piss him off. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That would be so dope. It's a dereliction of duty. Uh, I hope that they will see their way to doing it, but if I am uh, so fortunate enough as to be president, I will immediately uh, move to make sure that we fill that. We have nine Thank justices you, Secretary Clinton work on behalf of our people. Thank you, you're out of time, Mr. Trump. Justice Scalia, great judge. The great Justice Scalia. And we have a vacancy. I am looking to appoint judges very much in the mold of Justice Scalia. I'm looking for White judges. male, plump. <laughs> and I've actually picked 20 of them so that people would say highly respected, highly thought of, and actually very beautifully reviewed by... And no joke, all of them are white. That's not even a joke. All 20. Really? So that yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> I'm shocked. Isn't that great, isn't it? <laughs> but people that will respect the Constitution of the United States and I think that this is so important. Also, the second but like the original shaky interpretation of the Constitution, where it was all men are created equal, but men was like wink, wink, white men. We <laughs> under siege by people like Hillary Clinton. They respect the Second Amendment and what it stands for, and what it represents. So important to me. Now, Hillary mentioned something about uh, contributions. Just so you understand. So I will have in my race more than $100 million put in, of my money, meaning I'm not taking all of this big money from all of these different corporations like she said. What I ask is this, so I'm putting in more than, by the time it's finished, I'll have more than $100 million invested. Which is just one more bad investment I've made. <laughs> and, honestly, I should have doubled down on Trump's stinks. And when he loses, he's gonna take all 100 million and write it off on next year's taxes. Yes. I won't pay taxes till I'm fucking dead, you understand? <laughs> I run, I lose, I get off. Money for the Republican Party. I would do it tremendously on the small donation, $61 average or so. I asked Hillary, why doesn't she make $250 million by being in office? She used the power of her office to make a lot of money. Why isn't she funding, not for $100 million, but why don't you put 10 or 20 or 25 or $30 million into your own campaign? It's $30 million less for special interests that will tell you exactly what to do. And would really, I think, be a nice sign to the American public. Why aren't you putting some money in? You have a lot of it. You made a lot of it because of the fact that... At this that point, you, even I've forgotten the question. <laughs> Anybody? In office. 
made a lot of it when you were Secretary of State, actually. So why aren't you putting money into your own campaign? What kind, I, I really got to remember, it, it's what kind of Supreme Court justice would you put in there? Oh. <laughs> I would put in a hundred million dollars. <laughs> that, that's the justice he wants her to afford. It's literally a stack of a hundred million dollars. He's the ninth justice. It's that fucking insurance stack of money that counts. Uh, Thank you. We're going to get on to one more question. The question is about the Supreme Court, and I just want to quickly say, I respect the Second Amendment, but I believe there should be comprehensive background checks, and we should close the gun show loophole and close the online loophole. We have, we we have one more question as as we possibly can. Wait, one more Hillary wanted to web that in there in case she was maybe convincing some Republicans to go her way and wanted to squash that real quick. <laughs> Burn about uh, energy policy, okay? What steps will your energy policy take to meet our energy needs? Well, at the same time, kill his bone. Come on, bone man, let's do it. Well, this guy has a secret laptop no one else but him knows about. <laughs> Environmentally <laughs> friendly. Call it the bone zone. <laughs> Ew, dude. And minimizing job loss for fossil power plant workers. Absolutely, I think it's such a great question because energy is under siege by the Obama administration. Under absolute siege. The EPA, Environmental Protection right. Agency. The price of gas drops every week. He's just been attacking. <laughs> I'm very happy to get a question from you, Mr. Bone, because both of us have what we call Mr. Bones, okay? I don't even know what I meant by that either. Now coming in, buying, our, buying so many of our different plants, and then rejiggering the plant so that they can take care of their oil. We are killing, absolutely killing, our energy business in this country. Now, I'm all for alternative forms of energy, including wind, including solar, etc. But we need much more than wind and solar. And you look at our miners. Hillary Clinton wants to put all the miners out of business. Yeah, Donald Trump now likes working at miners. <laughs> at Bryce Makes Films, tweets at, at hashtag comedy to squeeze bone 2016. <laughs> Coal will last for a thousand years in this country. Now we have natural gas and so many other things because of technology. I have a feeling Trump's got natural gas, that's why he's walking around today so much. <laughs> unbelievable. We have found, over the last seven years, we have found tremendous wealth right under our feet. So good. No, Trump has found tremendous wealth <laughs> under his feet. He gets out of bed and he's like, oh, I fell asleep in the Scrooge McDuck gold coins room again. Yeah, he's under his feet. This is dad's fortune. <laughs> he is dead. I will bring our energy companies back, they'll be able to compete, they'll make money, they'll pay off our national debt. That's right, because we know Exxon and Shell haven't been making any money. Those energy companies are just struggling to get by. And we're the leading producer of the world's oil and natural gas at this point. Like, energy's one department we're actually beginning to do good on. So we should probably up the subsidies to the oil companies, don't you think? Yeah, give more, man. Pay off our tremendous budget deficits, which are, are tremendous, but we are putting our energy companies out of business. We have to bring back our workers. You take a look at what's happening to steel and the cost of steel and China dumping vast amounts of steel, steel. all over the United States. We haven't made steel since 1978. The last steel we made was a movie star in Shaq. <laughs> it's killing our steel workers and our steel companies. We 
have to guard our energy companies. We have to make it possible. The EPA is so restrictive that they are putting our energy companies out of business. And what do you have to do? The is oil companies make so much money. The cable TV companies are looking at them like, damn, how do you pull that off? <laughs> Place like West Virginia or places like Ohio, which is phenomenal, or places like Pennsylvania. I'm just gonna mention a bunch of swing states and say I love you guys. See what they're doing. Florida, the people have a lot of energy there. They swim, they're very active. Miners and others in the energy business, it's a disgrace. Time's up, man. It's an absolute disgrace. Secretary Clinton, two minutes. Well, that was very interesting. Um, First of all, I just want to go on record that I'm okay with us losing West Virginia. <laughs> Completely as a state, I'm okay with losing West Virginia, where the faces are black with coal and the cell phone reception sucks. China is illegally dumping steel in the United States, and Donald Trump is buying it to build his buildings, putting steel workers and American steel plants out of business. That's something that I fought against as a senator, and that I would have a, a trade prosecutor to make sure that we don't get taken advantage of by China and steel or anything else. You know, because it sounds like you're in the business or you're aware of people in the business, you know that we are now for the first time ever energy independent. We are not dependent upon the Middle East, but the Middle East still controls a lot of the prices. So the price of oil has been way down and that has had a damaging effect on a lot of the oil companies, right? Now, I don't know any of these things, they just kind of handed me the card. I've seen a lot of natural gas, which serves as a bridge to more uh, renewable fuels, and I think that's an important uh, transition. We've got to remain energy independent. It gives us much more power and freedom than to be worried about what goes on in the Middle East. We have enough worries over there without having to worry about that. So I have a comprehensive energy policy, but it really does include fighting climate change because I think that is a serious problem. And I support moving toward more clean, renewable energy as quickly as we can uh, because I think we can be the 21st century clean energy superpower and create millions of new jobs and businesses. But I also want to be sure that we don't leave people behind. That's why one time I want to hear a presidential candidate says, I believe if we invest in renewable energies, we'll be able to create hundreds of jobs and, be, and slightly improve our standing. Always millions of new jobs that will be the superpower. It's always gauntlet, boom. Candidate, from the very beginning of this campaign, who had a plan to help us revitalize coal country because those coal miners and their fathers and their grandfathers they dug that coal out, a lot of them lost their lives, they were injured, but they turned the lights on and they powered our factories. I don't want to walk away from them, so we've got to do something for them. But the price of coal is down worldwide. So we have to look at this comprehensively, and that's exactly what I have proposed. I hope you will go to HillaryClinton.com and we have my entire policy. We we've sneaked in one more question, and it comes from Carl Becker. Hurry up, Carl. <laughs> My question to both of you is, regardless of the current rhetoric, would either of you name one positive thing that you respect in one another? <laughs> and again, Hillary laughs right away. <laughs> 
and Phil kept the fuck out of the... <laughs> well, I, I certainly will, because uh, I think that's a, a very fair and important question. Look, I respect his children. I don't know if you're aware, but one of them is a hot piece of ass. <laughs> I, I respect the word Trump. I like the word Trump. I think that says a lot about Donald. I don't agree with nearly anything else he says or does, but I do respect that. And I think that is something... Uh, that as a mother and a grandmother is I respect important. his children, all of them, from all the different wives. <laughs> uh, so, I believe that this election has become in part so, um, so conflict-oriented, so intense, uh, because there's a lot at stake. This is not an ordinary time, and this is not an ordinary election. We are going to be choosing a president who will set policy for not just four or eight years, but because of some of the important decisions we have to make here at home and around the world, from the Supreme Court to energy and so much else. And so there is a lot at stake. It's one of the most consequential elections that we've had. And that's why I've tried to put forth specific policies and plans trying to get it off of the personal and put it on to what it is I want to do. Solid compliment for Trump. And that's why I hope people will uh, check on that for themselves so that they can see uh, that, yes, I've spent 30 years, actually maybe a little more, uh, working to help kids and families, and I want to take all that experience uh, to the White House and do that every single day. Mr. Trump. Well, I consider her statement about my children to be a very nice compliment. I don't know if it was meant to be a compliment, but it is a great, I'm very proud of my children. And uh, they've done a wonderful job and they've been wonderful, wonderful kids. So uh, I consider that a compliment. Uh, I will say this about Hillary. She doesn't quit, she doesn't give up. I respect that. I tell it like it is. Kind of sounds like She's she a has a, I don't know, stamina? <laughs> I disagree with much of what she's fighting for. I do disagree with her judgment in many cases. I'll take that as a compliment, but I don't agree with her judgment. Let's fight hard, and she doesn't quit, and she doesn't give up, but I consider that to be a very good trait. Thanks to both of you. I want to thank both the, uh, the candidates, I want to thank the, uh, the university here. This concludes the town hall meeting. Our thanks to the candidates, the commission, Washington University, and to everybody who watched. Just like to point out on October 19th for that. the final. Will there be a handshake? Will there be a handshake? We've got to see the quick last moment. Will there be a handshake at the end? Let's see. No. Take place I say no. The University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Good night, everyone. Are we getting a handshake? Come on, y'all. Civility ended with mild compliments. Yeah, doing it. Oh, all right. Vice presidential debate, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I just want to point out everyone who's probably suffering from electionitis, it's going to get worse, but we have less than a month. We're within the one-month window. So yes. Less than a month. This will finally be motherfucking over, and we can lead our lives without the specter of this horrible, horrible election. What did you guys think? What did you, Round of applause if you guys think Trump won. Ha, 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 ha.
Round of applause do you think Hillary won? Round of applause do you think it was a tie? That's not anywhere near everybody, so what the fuck happened? That's okay. That, that, they polled okay on that. You're taking a minute to... I just want to say... You America lost? Is that the last vote there? Or everyone loses? Just make sure you vote. That, that's all we can say. Make, unless you're Mexican or black or Muslim or any combination of the above, in which case you probably won't be allowed to. Uh, thank you guys very much for coming out here. Please follow at Alonzo Bowden and at Ben the Morrison on Twitter and all social media at Ben Glebe for my stuff. Come back here on October 19th and 10 days from today, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. We'll be doing this show right here, and then we'll have a regular Comedy Juice show right afterwards. Thank you all for coming out to Comedy Juice Weekly. Thanks for the bait. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>